0: Hey.
1: Hello, everyone. (laughs) It's episode eight. Don't, quote, go to church. Part two.
0: Part two. Don't forget the quote, because the quote Quote is... Hey, where are you going? Now she's leaving. Wendy, she was just... (laughs) You you literally just... Oh, I thought you were going to say a little bit more than just that. I'm going to take Cubby outside. Oh, our dog is Cubby, y'all. And so Wendy's going to take... The house is super quiet right now. There's no... Oh, do you hear that little Thanks. bell in the background, you guys? That's my Thanks dog. He's so smart. He's ringing his bell because he has to go do his business. Bye, okay. So Wendy's leaving, but there's no children in the house. So I thought I'd take a couple minutes and do a quick intro to episode eight here. Got a really cool guest that I'm excited for you guys to hear. Before we do that, guess who? Guess what? Exclusive image. <laughs> Santa Claus is in the background yeah. over here. Exclusive image is our sponsor for podcast episode eight. And they have been in business for 15 years. They've got a ton of experience doing projects, especially with logos. So if you need a logo done anyway, they want to know what kind of logo you want to get done. They want to talk to you about the symbols that are meaningful to you, what your business is all about. They're really focused on small businesses as well. And they can sketch out images and arrange anything you need to do and digitize and revise and all that kind of stuff. If you go to exclusiveimage.net, you can also do slash BraveMaker because BraveMaker is my nonprofit and they're partnering with me. You can get 10% off your designs, promotions, websites, whatever you need to do. So exclusive image.net. Thanks to Jeff and F10 Murphy for sponsoring episode eight. So without further delay, I'm wondering uh, if you guys got a chance to listen to episode number seven. If you're just tuning in to Holy Cannoli and figuring out who we are and what we're all about make sure you go to the very beginning doesn't take very long. You can binge them all on Spotify or iTunes or stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts and listen from episode one to episode now eight and see a little progression about what we're about, how this whole thing started. It's been really fun. I really want to say thank you to the people who have reached out. I have had really cool conversations with people online and Facebook. We do have a Facebook Holy cannoli page, super fun to get your messages and want to shout out to Dalton Dennis, Sorry, I feel like I'm like I'm running a marathon here. I'm oh, super breathy. Sorry. <laughs> My wife is over here telling me to calm down. I hear you. I see that hand over there, honey. Okay, so uh, Dalton Dennis reached out on the Facebook. On the Facebook. What am I, 79 years old? On, on Facebook to uh, give some love, and I really appreciate those messages. But Dalton and I actually... Dalton Dennis, did I say that already? Dalton Dennis and I shared a bed in India for one night because we were both on mission trips with different organizations, and we met up in a hostel, and it was super funny. So he's a, a teacher doing some cool work with um, underserved populations, and he loved episode number six with Rafael and, and Anna Avendano, and I just loved hearing that he was applying some of those very things in Denver. And shout it out to Raph and Anna's pedagogy, the critical pedagogy that they talked about. So if you listen to that episode, number six, make sure you check it out. Thanks to Dennis for reaching out. And let's do a shout out to some of our podcast reviewers. That's right. We got people who are leaving their reviews on, the, uh, on iTunes. And that super helps us because just so you know, the, the more that you review That's and share. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I just clicked on the. The episode from last week. I'm trying to read the reviews. Let's see. Here we go. So we've gotten 13 reviews so far. So thank you. And they've been five out of five stars. And some people actually wrote something like Sean Fern said it's rad. Thanks for using the best 80s term ever. Inspired discussions, real talk about life, God, art, everything. He looks forward to more. Uh, by the way, I <laughs> have full disclosure, I know Sean, and he we went out to lunch this past week, and I was saying, Sean what do you think about cannolios or cannolians? Which one? And he looked at me and he's like, I don't care. Just shut up and talk. <laughs> Honey, did you hear that? Yeah. He, he said, I didn't care what you call people. Strangers, podcasts, addicts, friends, just talk. Give us some good stuff. So I hear you, buddy. Uh, Jenny May, Tony's a breath of fresh air with his authentic way of leading discussion around the important topics of life, spirituality, Spirituality, political issues, family, etc. I'm subscribed to Listen Weekly. I met Tony as my pastor, and he has become a great friend. That's true, Jenny in New York. Jenny from The Block. Give Holy Canola a listen, and you'll get a glimpse into who Tony is, what he cares about, and how he thinks and lives. That's super cool. Thank you, Jenny. Carl LL Carl J. That is really cool. LL Carl J, like LL Cool J. Boom. You get super props for that. If you're interested in faith, culture, entertainment, politics, God, combating racism, films, or the intersection of all those things, check out the Holy Canoly podcast. Tony has interesting perspectives to share with his own experience as a creative-minded filmmaker and pastor for 20-plus years. His guests are challenging and clearly passionate about making a difference in the world. And Tony's zeal for Wow, I feel really good about myself right now. LL Carl J. Thank you uh his gentle but persistent way of asking hard questions while encouraging you to learn more about why you're here and how you're called to be a difference maker in the world is refreshing definitely worth a listen thank you bring more of these on because it gives me encouragement to do what i'm doing here uh if i could only make a living just talking that would be fantastic this is episode eight and i'm still trying to figure out what my life is like After this big jump, if you're just joining, you don't know who I am. I started a nonprofit called Brave Maker. I'm doing this Holy Cannoli. By the way, we have t-shirts. Yes, you can order t-shirts only for three weeks. We're doing this fundraiser thing. So it's a three-week deal. We have to sell 50 of them. Go to the Holy Cannoli podcast page. We're doing it through custom ink. And we got tri-blend shirts, v-necks, regulars, a sweatshirt, guys, girls, that kind of stuff. Check it out. Help us get a little extra dough to put this podcast on. But also wear a really cool podcast shirt, wear a really cool shirt. Uh, So yeah, we started this podcast as as a way to figure out this next chapter of our life, midlife crisis kind of thing, left my job of 20 years and starting over and trying to figure out. And literally, it's the biggest faith thing I've ever done in my life. I formerly worked with a church and it was a pastor. And I still consider myself a pastor. I still care about spiritual things. I want the church to thrive, and when mm-hmm. I say church, I mean the people of God, communities, com- communities of faith, and that looks like all sorts of different expressions. That's why this episode is called Don't Go to Church Part 2, because I believe that being the church is a lot more than just sitting in a building on a weekly basis. And last week, we talked about a diff- bunch of different things with our friend Indelisa Montoro, and I thought before we get into our special guest, I would just do a couple uh, more thoughts about the church. I just uh, preached this morning, I'm recording this on a Sunday morning, yeah, actually a Sunday afternoon. I was at a small church that's um, mainly Japanese in the center of Redwood City that's growing in its diversity, and it's about 60 people strong. And I had a really good experience. Their building is in the heart of our city, right across from a large apartment building, and they you know serve great coffee, but they're also using their whole building to be an art gallery for local artists, artists who are not people of faith even. One of the artists that's in there right now is a practicing Jew and he feels so connected when he worships on Saturday in a different building, but to use this building for his artwork, he actually had like a wine and cheese opening type thing. I'm like, ah, that's awesome. That's when a church gets that, when a church um, makes it, you know, their intention to be known as a community that supports others in other faiths and uh, of, of the creative industry, that's the kind of church i want to be a part of which makes me think sometimes when we think about churches sometimes churches try to do it all and if we if we've learned anything from the business world you can't do it all businesses restaurants you name it whatever you can, your menu can't have every single thing for every single person you have to find what you're good at And so some churches say, we have 163 ministries, something for everybody, something for the elderly, something for the young, something for people who are 18 to 23 and 24 to 35 and single. And if you're over 35 and single, then sorry, we might not have something for you, but I'm just kidding. I'm being facetious. Uh, But churches should find what they're good at. If you're good at small groups and you're good at doing things for families, awesome. Maybe another church is really good at doing recovery and helping people uh, in their marriages. That would be a great way for churches to partner better together if they found what they were good at and recognize what they weren't good at and didn't try to do what they weren't good at, but they would try to help other, turning these notifications off, come on, uh, try to do um, what they're good at and help partner and make bridges and connections with other churches. That way, if a city saw churches working together, maybe we could even do more change in the world as opposed to sort of becoming our own islands and doing our own thing. I would hope and love if our churches would be known for grace and acceptance and inclusion, eating together, solving problems, helping the poor, empowering youth, dialoguing and healing people. Oh, this is another thing. I love churches that are really proactive about prayer and praying for miracles. Like that is a great way to be known. Like if we look in the book of Acts, the Acts uh, one way to look at it is the acts of the church. Another way to look at it is the acts of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's a record of how the church started and what these disciples after Jesus left was resurrected, what they did and how they did it and how they wrestled with understanding that the Holy Spirit, that the power of God, that the inclusion of people was more than just the Jews. It was everybody, which is so relevant to today. When we're looking at churches that are closing their doors toward people and not allowing certain people, sexual orientations, that type of thing, which is exactly what this podcast is all about today. Because my special guest is Terry Smith. She is a teacher in the Bay Area, uh, teaches middle school drama, which is super cool. We met, and you'll hear it more in the podcast later. We met working on some films together. She's reexamining her faith and her understanding of what it means to be the church. She's a mother of a son who is in his 30s but came out as gay in high school. It's this really cool conversation and I hope that you can listen to it with an open heart and an open mind. And may I invite you to with whatever preconceived notions you might have around conversations with the LGBTQ community that with compassion you would hear Terry talk about her story without any judgment terry is a good friend of mine terry is an example to me and i want to say i'm learning so much and i'm humbled the reason why this podcast episode is called don't go to church part two is because we need to learn to be a church that is welcoming we need to learn to be a people that is humble and compassionate And that looks into scripture to see how things have changed, to see how our understanding of who is in and who's out has changed. It's even right in the black and white words of the the New Testament when people thought that if you weren't Jewish, you couldn't be a part of God's people. And literally in Acts chapter 10, God had to put Peter into a trance and literally tell him and give him visual explanation to see that they could eat different th- the foods that they were forbidden. They could include people that were forbidden. I think we have so much to learn, and I'm excited for this podcast and the following couple coming up to really engage and go deeper in this conversation. So, enjoy. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. Here's our
1: dad, Tony Gapastone. That's like, That's how I spent the first many years, because I was embarrassed. I'm a Christian. How can this be? And I went to all these things that, like, um, you know, oh, I found out why. You know, the the dad was overbearing, or the dad was absent, and the mother was too overbearing, or just all this crap. Yeah. And, um, but it just kept, I don't know, it just kind of kept going with me. And when I heard Matt's testimony, him and his ex-wife's testimony, because before that I was like, I'm just going to pray it away. Yeah. You know, and all of that. And then when I saw that, te- or when I saw and heard that testimony, it changed everything. Really? Which, yeah. It changed because I kept thinking, you know, God's going to be able to intervene. I'm going to be able to pray. Even away. Like up
0: until last year? Because it was like last year or two years ago.
1: <clears throat> it was like two years ago. I mean, wow. I kept trying to like, how yeah. do I do all this? Okay, so anyway, so that's kind of the beginning of all of this. So that, so the thing is, what that did was it made me have to really think about my faith and really think about what is it that I've been being taught, mm. right? A few years, ago, you know, I'm just throwing a whole bunch of stuff out yeah, at you because I think it's a combination of a lot of stuff. I also had my previous church that I was very involved in. Two pastors ended up having affairs and so which also questions. so it's just been this barrage of stuff and then this whole election this new administration and i don't see where the church the church leaders are standing up and saying anything Mm -hmm. against what's being said and done against human beings Mm -hmm. you know whether it's immigration whether it's the lgbt community whether it's just it's um african americans or whatever and so i'm just in this place of this doesn't look like Jesus. It's not the Jesus that I know of. And I I should also say, I'm just as much, I mean, I've sat there and said, well, you're not a Christian because you don't do this, and you're not a Christian because you're not that. So I've been there, I've been that labeling person. And I think, and again, like I said, I'm all over the place, but um, having my son come out and having me have to re-look and examine everything, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. and happened to to i think see like see more like how jesus sees us that's
0: you beautiful. know
1: um my best friend in the whole world is a gay man that's catholic and i think that he is more christ like mm-hmm. than i've been many times you know and so anyway so i'm just in this place of just trying to figure out what all that means and mm-hmm. What does God want to do with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, my faith in in God has not changed. It's just what I see in the world, and so it's I'm just um, I'm floundering almost, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a lot of ways. And I um, I've become part of this um, group um, on uh, Facebook. It's um, called the Mama Bears, okay. and so it's mostly moms, but it's also um, dads and stuff too that have. Um, family members in the LGBTQ community. And going there and just hearing the stories of how these people have been, you know, kicked out of the churches and all of this stuff, you know. I mean, it's a safe place that I can go and share my heart with, mm. but I'm hearing and seeing these stories of these Christian families who, these, you know, Christians who have spent their lives in these churches and because they have a child that's come out, you know. Um, so, anyway.
0: Mm. Well, I'm going to actually start this podcast right now, and uh, the beautiful thing is we were going to get together and talk about a film you so my guest today is Terry Smith. Terry Smith and I have been connected since 2013 I believe, and that's when I started to get the word out there that I was going to be making a film. I can't even remember who said we should get together. Do you remember? It was
1: just on Facebook. So I have a couple of mutual friends. Okay. And so on Facebook, they were just talking about how you're going to do this film and you needed crew and all of this. And I hadn't done film in like 15 years. And I saw it and I thought, hey, you know, I'd love to go come back. But I'm like, Tony, I haven't done it in 15 years. I've never done it on digital. I've only done film. I don't know how to do it, but I'm willing to be part of it. And so, um, and it was a blast because it was something that I did on the East Coast. I'd gotten in union. I was really working my way up in the field and getting known there. Had we not moved to California, I would have worked Mm. probably on the sixth sense because all my friends were on that crew and I moved out here and it was, um, a thing where the union and the people out here felt like the West, the East Coast doesn't know what the West, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it was just, it was this hard thing. I was going to have to start all over again. And I didn't want to start out with those F, the F, you know, it's not even A and B movies anymore. It's like, you know, it was like every word was F and it was these zombie killer movies. And I was like 45 and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. And so I just really felt like I'd never ever do it again. So when I saw until that up until it was
0: resurrected. <laughs> I love it because you threw yourself in there and you were the script supervisor. So for 1440 and counting, starting Loretta Devine and neighbor, we got to work together, and it was so much fun, uh, we we instantly connected. I didn't know that you were a follower of Christ at the time, uh, and then <clears throat> with my desire to uh, tell stories but also somehow grow people's awareness of God and his love, we were just talking a lot about that, and uh, then you told me about your son who's gay, and you were just really honest and vulnerable, and it was just cool, and that kind of just, you know, that. Well, that's okay you're you're that's who you are you're a mom you have a gay son that kind of went away um you know but then when i was telling you about my friend matt somehow that
1: mm-hmm.
0: piqued your interest a little bit you connected and you came i believe right to when he was singing at one of the things i was doing or how did you you guys well, met no, personally but no, right? i had
1: gone back and forth to christmas things and so i kind of i knew both you and matt mm-hmm. From having been someone that sat in a congregation Oh, you knew occasions. Matt
0: from being a part of the church that I was a part of?
1: Well, like, I would come out, like, Christmas Eve, oh, Like, you guys, okay. like, they yeah. had the best Christmas Eve, yeah. you know, candlelight services. So mm-hmm. I would go, and so I knew who you were, and I knew who Matt was, but I never, mm. just because I would attend once or twice a year. But okay. I was very involved in another church.
0: Right, okay, okay, but, okay, okay. And okay. no, I totally remember that. Yeah. But then I remember... You did come last summer because Matt and I did a human right. trafficking, anti-human trafficking event. I, I hosted it. He sang his song that he wrote, and you brought your mm-hmm. son. I think that was a really cool moment because you connected. You'd already seen this TEDx talk that he and his mm-hmm. former wife had done, and you had uh, a year ago already been thinking a year of questioning and wrestling mm-hmm. and wondering. So mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, well the whole questioning and all of that. So when my son came out about ten years ago to us, devout Christian, believed what I'd been told, all this stuff, but it just was really hard in wrestling because I, I loved my child. I did I loved my church, I loved what I was being taught, and so it was just I was mm-hmm. just juggling these things. Mm-hmm. And um, could
0: I stop real quick right there and just to clarify because some of our listeners won't necessarily know um, they, they might have an idea of what the things you were told you know mm-hmm. or what beliefs from the scriptures, from the Bible, from your church or pastors, what were some of those things that you were as a devout Christian you said, believing right. or thinking about your son or, or the situation?
1: Well, that homosexuality was a sin, that it was not natural that God made man, woman, man and man and woman. Um, only man, you know, only male and female should get married. Same sex, that's like you know, abomination, and and that's what I thought. You know that it was not natural, that it was not normal, that it was abnormal um, behavior, abnormal, mm-hmm. you know, it was lustful and all those mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, heterosexuality was the way, the only way, mm-hmm. and um, so I. You know, was praying and praying this gay away from my child and still trying to figure out how to love him. I mean, We never kicked him out of the house or any of that, but definitely I shared things with him, said things to him that I really have wished that I could take back, and he has forgiven me a, bit, a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did s- secretly or inwardly still believe that at some point in time... God would intervene and the gayness would go away, right? <laughs> um, and I and I do um, I very much believed that it I, there was a point in time where our relationship was very fractured and and it was at that moment that I realized that my job was to love my child and whatever else was gonna be God's job or his or whatever. You know, I mean my, my job was just to call to love him. But I still was doing all of this back and forth. When I saw Matt's talk with him and his ex-wife, I think almost two years ago, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, when I saw that here was a Christian minister who did everything that the church says to do, the reparative therapy, to pray, you know, do these retreats, do all these things, and it didn't change who he was, it was my biggest aha moment, mm-hmm. that this is who God has made my child. Mm-hmm. And... um it's, it's, I, I do believe it's made a huge difference, even though I know that my son knew that I was loving, I loved him, but I think that my really understanding that this was God, that this was who he made him, that he is gay. He is not like gay for the moment, you know, <laughs> yeah. but that this is who my child is. And I, um, have embraced him in a way that I just, I hadn't prior because of it.
0: I think it's just so beautiful because as you're talking, well, listeners, you need to know that she's talking about my friend Matt, who is one of my best friends, and I jokingly call him my GBFF, my gay best friend forever, (laughs) because his story is uh, one for the books, and it is out there and online, and he will be a guest on this podcast next week. So it's kind of interesting that Terry and I are meeting and talking about this, and we weren't even planning to have this discussion. She just said, you know what? We were planning to talk about a film, and she wrote a great film that I got to help with just a little bit. It was so fun and energizing, and it was on the very beginning of my stepping out to do this new uh, endeavor called Brave Maker. And we were going to meet today, and she just messaged yesterday saying, I am feeling as if I'm being led in a different direction. My efforts and my energy are going in a different direction. And she's so stirred, as she was saying. So uh, I want you listeners to know that this podcast today, as Terry vulnerably shares her story, it's something that's also been influential in my life, Matt and his story. and I've been walking with him for 18-plus years, and my understanding and my theology and what I believe and what I've been told has radically changed and I'm so grateful for that because I think if we believe the same things we do that we did 25 years ago then something's wrong we're not open to change I think even scriptures the scriptures were used for you know thousands of years to do different things like enforce slavery uh, to oppress women mm-hmm. to you know now today, as we are seeing an awakening and a change in the way we understand Scripture, I think it's so profound, and we need to do it with humility and grace, but we also need to acknowledge that there is a boldness that is required. And I'm hearing you kind of say that that there is this awakening that you realize caused a lot of hurt in your son's life. and it seems like also in your life because there was things you were told or not told you could or could not do that prevented you from this relationship with your son. And so now, I even seeing in your eyes that there's mm-hmm. this there's this emotion, there's this healing, there's this newness coming to you because of that, can you describe because some of my listeners are going to be uh followers of Christ who are potentially divided on what they think the scriptures say, and I want to acknowledge that this this week and next week might be challenging for some of us uh to even engage with. Uh, I've been having lots of conversations interpersonally about this, and I know some friends and family are at different places and i want to say that's okay but i hope you can i hope we can engage in conversations openly with whatever we're talking about in real life or in the podcast life so uh terry can you talk a little bit about what that has been like for you as you have been changing your theology and that sounds like a really deep thing or official thing to say but it is a change Mm -hmm. in theology Mm -hmm. you said your faith hasn't been changed but maybe I would even encourage you, maybe it is changing in a good way. Like, God hasn't changed, but our awareness of Him mm-hmm. is changing. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, what would you want to say about that?
1: Well, I think what I'm seeing, the, th- the one big thing that like, is in my head right now is just that I think God is a whole lot bigger than, at least mm-hmm. than I ever thought that He was. And as far as... Scriptures and things like that. I'm still milling through a lot of that from things that I'm reading. Mm. It's cultural kinds of things um, That that scriptures, mm. you know, it has to do with particular um, culture time mm. and so I'm not in a place where I could really talk theology mm. um, I'm just more in a place where um, I Just I just I look at my mm. son. I look at other children of God and I just, I just think about, um, it, I heard a statement once where someone said, um, you know, that the whole comment about how God made Adam and Eve, he didn't make Adam and Steve or whatever it was. (laughs) Which I
0: I hear is very, very hurtful to say and not very funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And, um, so, and then it made me think, you know, like in people, then you talk about the trans community and, and different things like that and people will throw out the comment, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And I heard someone say, but there are blind people. Mm. There are all kinds of other kinds of things. And so are you going to say this blind person? God didn't make this blind person. So I don't know. Mm. I'm not really in a place to really be able to talk theology. Mm-hmm. I'm more a person that I go from my heart. Okay. Um, I sat and heard Justin Lee. Um, Justin. J- um, he is the one who started the Christian... The Gay Christian Network, which now he's got his own thing. He's written a book called Torn. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, he was a guest speaker at the church that I go to now. And um, it was just powerful. So I'm still in the middle of...
0: Mm -hmm. Figuring it out.
1: Putting it all together. Um, But again, when I see Christians after Christians, I should say followers of Christ. I'm getting to where I don't like that word, Christians anymore, but Mm -hmm. followers. Um, And I hear their stories um, I just see God in them. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just see God and I just believe that he is bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's making any sense, but
0: I think when people hear you talking about coming from the heart, you know, there will people who will push back and say, that's why we need scriptures and we need the authority of the Bible. And even though, you know, what I hear as you're talking, maybe you feel a little bit inadequate, potentially, I don't know. I'm just trying to put words to describe, I think you are adequate. You are enough to be able to learn and apply what these stories and these truths from your, you know, from Mm -hmm. your the many years you've lived your life, Mm -hmm. all of your experience. I think so don't downplay that you do have, I really do. I think you do have a scripture base. You've been how many millions of Bible studies have you been in over the years? How many millions of sermons? I think that's the part that um We we can easily... I've been to seminary. I've been ordained, all this stuff. And I still can easily feel by someone else put in a place where you don't know enough. Mm -hmm. you know. And I I think there's a a hesitation for me to go, well, I know I do. I know enough for right now in this time of my life to go, this is how I'm seeing it. Because the reality is 20 people who all look at the same scripture, who are all Mm -hmm. claiming to be followers of Christ, can look at it differently and do. Mm -hmm. And so for right now, I think... What we're seeing, what I'm seeing in the church universal in this awakening of really being inclusive and accepting Mm -hmm. and welcoming to the LGBTQ community is an understanding of a bigger narrative of what the Bible is. And I think that's always not that's not comfortable because when we say the word theology, it can seem so big. But the Bible is so complex. It is so layered. You know, and if we nitpick little things here and there, we mm-hmm. can build a theology on anything, really. Mm-hmm. And people do. You know, I do want to keep coming back to: there are scriptures that say women should not teach men. So what do we do with that? There are scriptures that say things about people who are divorced and their involvement in the mm-hmm. community, uh, as or or their involvement in a leadership of a church. You're not allowed to be divorced according to some scriptures that people might mm-hmm. cite. So do we hold on to every single thing like that, or do we go, hmm? There is context. There is a time and a place of understanding. There is also There was a bent toward people viewing God even in a certain way. We view God radically different than people did in mm-hmm. first century. And that's been super helpful and freeing for me to become a person of inclusion, to become a person of welcoming to the LGBTQ community. And I think it happened uh, a long time ago, <laughs> but I really wasn't able to talk much about it. I wasn't able to voice even my questions at the time because of you know the church I was a part of this is the From the denomination the doctrinal statement on Mm -hmm. the gay community is really uh, Marriages between a man and a woman heterosexual marriage only and uh, If not if you are a gay person you have to be celibate and you cannot be married and that's really an unfair line to draw for many people so I'm I'm at this place where you know I'm stepping out into the water to begin talking about it, obviously, and making it public. This would probably be my first podcast, you know, or my first public statement of that. Um, and people, uh, I think, will be challenged by it, and will probably challenge me by it. And I, I, I want to be okay by it. And I want to be able to welcome those things, but I also ask again for openness and understanding. Mm-hmm. And my wondering would be, do you know a gay person. (laughs) Are you engaged in conversation with a gay person who you can talk to about these questions or these issues or even are you willing to talk to someone who has a different view uh, than you do? And I've talked to so many people who have different views of uh, the gay community and what's acceptable uh, because that's what I was taught and those are the types of communities I've been a part of forever. It's these smaller other voices that I'm now encouraging others to listen to as well and go, hmm, like Justin Lee or Matthew Vines or uh, there's so many great people. Jen Hatmaker, who's a very famous podcaster and author, has really taken a stand. Mm -hmm. And she is an iconic leader for women, um, for mothers, and was a evangelical church leader or a hero in some ways who lost a platform because of her stance and lost Mm -hmm. uh, book... You know, publishing deals because of that. And I think what what a stand to make to be able to come out and, and be an ally to the gay community and risk you know a financial loss. I think that's that's huge. So my friend Matt again, who will be at Matt Nightingale, who will be on the podcast. Look at look his TED talk up, TEDx talk. You can just type in his name. His name. He will often talk about the fear that it is driving so many people to cling to these thoughts mm-hmm. and to these beliefs because the fear of rejection, the fear of maybe even as deep as the fear of what God would say and what God will do at the pearly gates, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, I want to encourage our listeners, um, friends, and podcast addicts as you listen, uh, the God of the universe, if, if our understanding of the God of the universe is one of um, wrath and rejection, that that's the engine of the universe, we have it so wrong. The engine of the universe is love and hope mm-hmm. and acceptance and truth and love. And is justice a part of that? Yes, I think if we, we we take the banner of the justice and the wrath when we talk about love, and that means that there's people who are not welcome because of their sexual orientation. Oh man, I I think we're missing out on the greater and grander narrative of mm-hmm. who God is with His people that has been for you know thousands of years radically changing. As we learn more about God, we are changing. God has been the same mm-hmm. since creation, but people have viewed him differently and people have sought to make a religion around what they think these rules and these ways of God are, which always from the time of uh, the, the Gentiles, who were anybody who wasn't Jewish, to, to women, to people of color, to now the LGBTQ community, it seems like if we look at the narrative of life post jesus it's been a continual ripple of let everyone in everyone is welcome everyone is invited come to the table Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. that image of the table and that image of jesus inviting everyone and going into these homes of people that were considered the 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 worst of the worst and and you know, the Pharisees would call, the, call them out and say, why are you going in that house? You know, why are you going there? And mm-hmm. I think that what we have done, mm-hmm. what I the vision that I have is that we stand at a church door with our arms, you know, across and not letting people in. Mm-hmm. That we're not showing love. That we're not... God is a God of love and we've been called to love. And people are going to know us by our love. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think, the greatest... Um, emotion the greatest feeling that my greatest concern my greatest passion is that we have by the droves driven people away from god they see god in us they're seeing us in our hypocrisy they're seeing us and how we don't love you because you're not like this and i and i I'm just as guilty. I'm not about to say it's all about you because I've been there in my in that place too. And um, you know, everything that's been going on in our culture for the last couple of years has really made me wake up and say, you know, I'm not supposed to be pointing fingers at somebody. You know, I mean, I've been called to love and love my enemy, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out how to walk that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just I just look at my child who once was very much a believer one who very much was very involved who doesn't want anything to do with church Mm -hmm. doesn't want anything to do with god Mm -hmm. Um, and it breaks my heart yeah um and i know that i played a part in that Mm -hmm. not that god isn't there you know and um so my heart just cries for those you know those that i work with that I have, I am a teacher and I have, There's several members on my staff that are, um, gay and I don't, you know, I want them to see Jesus, you know, I want them to see love. I want them to feel love. And, um, I don't, how did we make this thing to be this whole, like, this, like the impardonable or the, what's that? Im, the Un-
0: unpardonable, uh,
1: unpardonable sin, you know, it's like, mm. really, mm. really? I don't, I don't know. I, um.
0: A couple, a couple thoughts and wonderings. As you were talking, I wrote down how Jesus would dine with people and often the people who society would, would reject. Some of the pushback I, I see or hear in the conversation around the LGBTQ community is, yes, Jesus hung out with them, quote, unquote, them, whoever those them are, but he told them to repent. He told them to change. He told them to leave their life of sin. And that's something that I think is, again, goes back to that fear that we have as followers of Christ is, if, am I getting something wrong? You know, if I accept somebody, I have, I've had at least two conversations when I was an official vocational pastor with people who literally asked me, my son is getting married to a man. Should I go? Mm-hmm. And this is when, you know, I was still under the auspices of Having to tell people that you know the the gay marriage was not honored, but God, I would say, look that person in the eyes, say, "You go, you go." I don't care what this church or this Bible or the denomination says. You go. I encourage you go and love and accept. And I remember when I went to a gay wedding one time too. I felt like I needed to make sure I said the right things. I couldn't say congratulations because I couldn't condone it. I had to say, you know, thanks for inviting me or whatever. I had to pick my words so carefully because I didn't want to come off as if I was standing and presiding and now, you know, making your lifestyle that I believed at that point was not honoring to God. It was okay. So I get that there's, it's so, so sticky. But I think what I'm hearing from people who are wiser than me is looking at scripture again at what is sin and what mm-hmm. is defined as sin. And so at the core of a gay person's identity, and Mac can you know next week uh, when you hear the podcast can talk about this so much better uh, is it's that this is who they are. Their mm-hmm. their their identity is that they are a same sex attracted person. And now it's so much bigger of course, but as a hetero person, we don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And so it's so hard for us to make those labels and put those scriptures and those rules on a person, especially when we talk about sin, because when someone says, well, I want to be accepting because God accepts, you know, me and my gluttony or me and my gossip or me and my passive aggression or me and my whatever, fill in the blank, it's just the same. That person goes, don't, please don't equate your whatever, your hatred for, you know, a person of color or your bigotry or your whatever from my just desire to love a person of the same sex like, it gets so dicey and hard when we try to draw those lines cuz i know a lot of followers of christ are really wanting to make make a good here and they're really trying to go hey all sin is the same let's not pull it out and make it anything more or less but the challenge is there's a you know a, a push for people to say and see scripture differently to see the the, the sexual orientation is not a sin and if you look into the community of the gay community, one of the things I have loved and that I learned from Matt is he taught me to see, is there a fruit of the Holy Spirit? And that's just a fancy quote unquote Bible spiritual way of saying, Do you see the character of Jesus in any person? I don't care what their sexual orientation is. Do you see the character of Jesus in this person? Are they being are they kind? Are they compassionate? Are they good? Are they loving? They exhibit self control. Now, this is where Matt will also talk about how the gay community also has this label upon them of, of being sexually deviant. And he, man, he rocks me. He says, part of the reason the, the gay community might be sexually deviant is because they were pushed into the closet and shamed while being in the closet. And when they finally come out, they're just like rebelling and trying to find this love and express it in so many different ways. And it comes off as like, see, told you. Mm-hmm. And man, it's like, I, I own that too. I will take responsibility because I don't want any person to feel as if they have been pushed and then, you know, staying in the closet and then we're just shaming them and pointing our fingers at them while they're in the closet or when they come out of the closet, like what a life. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. We don't know that. We, I don't know that. Yeah. So... Terry what do you what would you say to a parent with a gay child uh, especially okay how about this a parent let's start there a parent of a gay child what would you want to say to them who is in any place in their spiritual journey or faith but especially to someone who might be in the church or a follower of Christ who desperately wants to honor God and feels perplexed on how to do that with the situation
1: two words that start with L love them and listen Mm. Love them and listen. Don't don't sit there and try to figure out what does this mean or anything. I mean, just love them and listen to them. Um, when my um, I actually have a master's degree, and I was at Saint Mary's in the process of when my son had come out, or I should say, it was probably a year or two after my son had come out, and I was um, in a class that was a gender class, and we had a panel of just a little, of, of, of the LGBTQ questioning, everybody was there, and um, and there was one person on the panel that actually um, was, you know, bad-mouthing her mother and saying all this stuff about how when she came out, she did this and this and all that kind of stuff, and I stood up in tears, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what, I mean, for me, I had no clue, I had zero clue, some people talk about how they have kind of an idea that maybe their child is gay, I Zero clueless that my child was gay and so when he came out here, he'd been dealing with it for You know for a very long time and this was first news to me and I would say that um, as a parent listen and love and all your stuff and trying to figure out what all this means, you just go in, you go in your closet, you know, <laughs> you go talk with somebody. There's actually a wonderful group. If, mm. I don't know if there's a way people can get a hold of you, to can get a hold of me. There's a sure. private Facebook group of, um, it's called the Mama Bears and a few other little things. But basically, it's a really great support group. Most people in there are um, believers. Um, a lot aren't. There's one of the main ones running the Facebook page that she says she's an atheist. But it's a place where, where moms are getting together to be able to support one another because we, we're we not getting it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, so I would just say it's really a matter of loving and listening. I've learned so much mm-hmm. from my, my child. Um, the day after, or actually it was two days after the, le- the election, um, he called me and for two hours cried on the phone and said, Mom, I'm tired of fighting for this. He mm-hmm. goes, I can't fight anymore. And, you know, he... Well, <clears throat> I was going to say something else. But anyway, he, he just said he was tired of it. And he wasn't going to fight for it. He, he couldn't fight anymore. He said, Mom, I can't do it. And I said, Brian, I'll fight for you. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to stand up. It's time for me to get off my comfy bench and to get up and to start fighting. And that's actually been true for a whole bunch of other things, mm-hmm. you know, of what's been going on. So I know that was kind of a side talk well, from what right. you asked me. But, um, but I think it's really important that we just listen you know, um, find somebody that you could that can support you and just um, and love on you, but don't put that on your child.
0: Don't yeah. put your your views, your theological views right. on your child.
1: Or your anxiety or mm-hmm. your questions or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. they've already been going through so much and the fact that they come out to you mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. And my child came out, he was in high school, mm-hmm. which most kids wait until college. I actually just um mm-hmm um the um I don't know if you saw my Facebook post. Um Imagine Dragons. Oh the
0: documentary, yeah. It was yes. at Sundance. I didn't see it but I want to. Oh
1: you did so it's I think it's on it's on HBO this week sometime. Okay. And um oh darn now I lost my train of thought. What was I gonna say about that?
0: Watching the film did it change you or encourage you in some way? Talking to
1: parents? Oh oh that um he was saying that eight to ten percent and this is in Utah of teens That are committing suicide Mm that in the in the um, gay community, six to eight percent of them commit suicide because Mm -hmm. of their being gay, and and the number one cause of death in Utah, if I if I'm saying this correctly, check let's check this, but Mm -hmm. is um, suicide Mm -hmm. by you know, and it's just it's so that's why love and listening is so important Mm -hmm. because the fact that they come out to us is amazing Mm -hmm. that they trust you enough that they're coming out and and we just got to love them mm-hmm. you know as they're going through and trying to figure it out
0: okay so let me ask you one step further but if somebody loves their child and they have these strong perspectives i think they they feel a, a, a they feel compelled to love them and change them what do you want to say how, how how would you handle that that's that's hard someone who staunchly believes that that scriptures do not condemn or do not condone a homosexual lifestyle or i mean i'm going to say that for someone who staunchly believes i'm going to say staunchly because that seems so negative too but someone who strongly believes that scriptures do not condone the the homosexual person and their orientation that could lead them to love them quote unquote in a way that hurts them how would you challenge or maybe even dare a parent to do something different
1: so when i was struggling with this i really felt impressed by the lord i really felt impressed these words that i was challenged to love my not challenge but that i was told that my job was to love my child and that it's the holy spirit's job to do the changing i'm not going to change my child if anything i drove him away you know um we can't change our kids especially if they're High school, college, you know, they're, we're not going to change them. You know, we have influences maybe when they're seven and ten. And I mean, I teach middle school, you know, you're not changing them. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seeing our love. And I know that sounds probably really cliche, but it's, and I, and I get it. Cause when my son first was, had a relationship, it was a challenge and how do I deal with this and and this which they're not together anymore but when the um and they were in New York but they came out here and visited for a while and he came and and my first challenge was do I let them do I let this guy stay in our house and they were already sleeping together and had their own apartment and so that kind of stuff is is very challenging he was in his 20s you know, and so I always had to look at. He's it. a big
0: boy. <laughs> He's
1: thirty now, um, but you know, and I, and I, th- I always had to look at it. What would I do if if it was a heterosexual relationship? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I, whenever I had a question, how would I, if this was a girl, how would mm-hmm. I deal with it? Mm-hmm. And that's how I had to walk through it. But um, I couldn't change him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe my love might. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think. Um, I mean, we have the best relationship now than we we've you know I'd say the last few years mm. than we'd had the previous years.
0: Do you think he, uh, he'd want to be on this podcast? I'd love to have him and interview him.
1: <gasps> That'd be awesome. He's up in Seattle. Maybe if we came down,
0: or we can call. We could do it over the okay, phone. Yeah, technology. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, no, I know. Have to ask him. Yeah,
0: ask him, Brian. Yeah. You're officially invited. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll send him <laughs> the link. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, in closing, yeah, anything else you want to say? To, to listeners about your journey or you know maybe a person who has a gay friend or maybe that it's not a child but it's a gay neighbor or it's a gay family member or someone who's in the church who's a follower of Christ who's wrestling with this. How do you, they need permission, what's a resource they might use, anything you would say to encourage someone who's in a place of uh, wanting to know more or needing to know how to get through this kind of challenging space of theology.
1: Um, I would say if you're needing knowledge, there's Justin Lee kinds of things. Um, Facebook, you could look up the mama bears, um, check out Matt's Ted talk. Um, and, um, I think it's just, I I think it's that idea of having that open table and the open arms and maybe we don't understand i mean it is hard i I like what you said earlier you know we're heterosexuals i don't know what that's like to be in the body of someone who sexual desires or for someone of the same sex i don't understand that Mm -hmm. um it's foreign to me just as it's foreign to a homosexual to understand have sexual you know desires so um i just i think listening finding what you can um, you know just because we affirm someone or affirm who somebody is I, I, you know I don't know this this concept of condoning or whatever I mean I've got so much I mean because it's not sin but I have so much that's not Christ like that I'm still working on um, So I don't know I don't know if that's making any sense that's but good.
0: I am going to recommend a book by a guy named David Gushy, and he is a, an ethicist, and he is a follower of Christ who wrote a book called Changing Our Mind, and mm. he used to be somebody who held to a strong belief about heterosexual heterosexuality being God's design, and he changed his mind, and he wrote a whole book about it and how we can view scripture in different ways, and I think it's scary. I want to just say that it's a mm-hmm. bit scary. A lot of you listening potentially feel scared by this. Others of you are going, what's the big deal? I'm like, yes, move on. Hello. <laughs> Wait, wave your rainbow flag. <laughs> and I want to say I'm with you. Uh, he has this, this quote that says, you're hurting me with your Bible. You're hurting mm-hmm. me with your Bible. And I think we have a responsibility to be careful with these words. We don't worship a book. We worship a God. A creator who is mysterious, who's big, who's miraculous, who's layered and deep and loving and forgiving and all these things. But when we cling on to words, um, sometimes out of context, and we don't find ways to adequately and humanely apply them in our life in real time, we hurt people. We hurt Mm -hmm. other human beings. So I pray that we could be a people who... Experience God, even in uh, these challenging conversations, even through the tears, even through clenched fists of saying, this is how it is, this is how it always has been. Open your hands, let go. See, even in churches today, even in the denomination that I was a part of, there are splits and there is division happening and there are people who are going separate ways over the issue of including and welcoming the gay community into the church family. And you know we're not the gatekeepers, but we are acting like that. It's challenging, not easy. So we'll put uh, some of the links to these things on our Facebook page, the Holy Canoli Facebook page. So if you found us on Stitcher, or Apple, or wherever you did, you can search Facebook for the Holy Canoli podcast. Uh, Terry will have uh, if you want to be connected or contacted. Yeah. Okay, we'll uh, link her there as well. And I pray that you. Tune in next week when Matt Nightingale shares his story and we see oh, how beautiful and how complex everything can be, how life can be. Embrace the strange, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can post questions or suggest topics for the podcast on our Holy Canoli Facebook page or use the hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast on Twitter and we might read your question or suggestion on air. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it.